so with that, uh, I'm just going to pray and we want to launch out into the uh, teaching and preaching of the Word and trusting God to once again to bring forth transformation in our lives. The Bible says that God's Word renews our mind um, and it transforms our lives. And the uh, Bible speaks of, uh, of eyes that we're able to see with and ears that we're able to hear with and a heart that we're able to receive with. And uh, God wants to do that for every single one of us. So I trust that your mind's not already made up in regards to things that God's able to shift us and move us into a new place in God. Let's just pray right now and trust God for good things. Heavenly Father, we do, uh, Lord, to want to honor you, want to honor your presence in this place. And as we approach this time of the reading and the proclamation of the scriptures, we thank you, Father, that your word is living, that it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said that your words are spirit and they are life. And we thank you, Father, that spirit and life is imparted into us. Our minds are being renewed. Our faith is rising to new levels. We thank you, Lord God, that strongholds are challenged and demolished and error is corrected. And we thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing every one of us into divine truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Everybody's got an outline in their hand. If you haven't got one, just wave your hand about a little bit. Um, and uh, just, I want to pick up this morning where we left off last Sunday in the morning. Um, we are, uh, the title of uh, uh, last week's message and this week's message is, we basically called it election special. Uh, it's no secret that we've got elections coming up in less than three weeks now. Um, general elections this is and then you know every now and then we get local elections where we vote for our mayor and our city councillors we've got general elections coming up now where we vote for um, members of parliament whom we want uh, us to to, uh, to to represent in the parliamentary environment and with some of the uh, wheeling and dealing that goes on there will be a prime minister that will emerge out of all of all of that and a political party that will be the governing party and then there will be opposition parties and and so forth and uh, and I really believe that God has got something to say uh, about these matters that we don't just leave politics up to any old body but God has something to say God wants to speak to his people uh, I'm always mindful that when it comes to politics you know you know in fact uh, years ago I uh, was going to go out fishing with a man and uh, I knew his wife uh, but I hadn't met him and he said he was going to take me out fishing because he knew that I just come into the country and he says I'll take you out fishing and so anyway and his wife said to him she says look she says you'll be, you'll be just fine he's a good man he says there'll, there'll be no problem but he just requests that you don't talk about religion or about politics and there was one other thing that I can't remember just now. And uh, so, uh, and he says, you'll be just fine. You know, some of those people are really good. You can talk about anything except politics. And suddenly the hackles go up. And they'll talk about anything except religion. Um, and, uh, you know, if you do, the hackles go up. And so this morning we're going to be talking about politics. In fact, I've got some props arranged very shortly. I'm going to call for, for some of my helpers to come and help me. Uh, it'll be a little bit show and tell. All right. And everybody, I hope, is okay with that. Show and tell. And, uh, and I just trust that if you've got, uh, you know, opinions that are stronger than then uh, the things that I'm sharing we do this morning, don't you be gracious, keep your opinions to yourself. This is not debating chamber here this morning. Um, God is determined that I'm the one that do the speaking uh, and that you do the listening this morning um, and ask you to be gracious with that. Uh, I'm just having fun, but sometimes people do feel strongly about these things, and I think we should. It's good to feel strongly about things, but we must never get so entrenched that we are kind of... Uh, 
you know, fossilized. It was just fossils. Uh, we, we can't bend or shift or move anymore. Um, and so I'm just kind of laying a bit of a foundation for where we're going. Let me just start again with reading um, a couple of verses of scripture that we looked at last week. Um, and uh, just to recap where we've been so far, and then we'll move on and cover new ground. But in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 14, it says, When you come to the land the Lord your God is giving you, and take it over and live in it, and then say, I will select a king like all the other nations surrounding me. Uh, verse 15, you must select without fail a king whom the Lord your God chooses. From among your fellow citizens, you must appoint a king. You may not designate a foreigner who is not one of your fellow Israelites. So God's speaking to the people there. Of course, we're not Israelites, but there are certain principles in there that we see that apply to us just the same today. Uh, you know, of all the political parties and uh, on the political landscape and all the political candidates that are available to be voted for, uh, God selects whom he chooses, and we must, he says here, without fail, elect whom God has chosen. So we can't just go along and pick the one that suits our preference, but we say, God, what are you saying in this matter here? Because, friends, we live in a democracy, and God's people uh, should be the ones that are able to sway things this way or sway things that way, whichever way God wants things to go. That we're not casting a traditional vote, a self selfish vote, um, an uninformed vote, but God wants us to cast a righteous vote. We talked about that last week, that there's these different styles of voting. And then I thought afterwards, there's actually another style. People say, I'm going to cast a protest vote. I'm you know, over here, but I'm going to cast my vote over there just to let them know. Well, nobody will know. That's just a silly way to vote. <laughs> nobody will know. And, uh, and uh, because in the ballot, you're in there by yourself. All right. But God will know, and God wants the vote to go somewhere. There are certain political leaders uh, who are worthy of, uh, of promoting and, 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 uh, and elevating, and others should be, you know, removed. The Bible speaks that promotion comes from the Lord, and, and, and uh, he sets one up and he puts down another. But God wants to use his people in a de democratic environment uh, to get things happening. So God chooses, and we select uh, whom God has chosen. We mentioned some key dates that are very important for us to understand. Uh, Wednesday, the 3rd of September, uh, is the beginning of the advance and overseas voting. Uh, so anybody that's away on election day, you can start to vote ahead of time. Um, and there's other uh, sort of reasons if somebody can't vote for some reason on election day, then you can vote ahead of time as early as 3rd of September. Then on Friday, the 19th of September is the last day for enrollment. We said that enrollment is legally required, and especially for us as Christians, because the Bible tells us to obey the laws of the land. Um, and uh, then we also said that we may, there may not be a legal requirement for Christians to vote, but I strongly believe that there is a moral requirement for us to vote, uh, that uh, the right to vote has been earned on battlefields and good men have died to rid us from the tyranny of evil dictators and uh, evil regimes to bring us democracy where we've got the right to choose our own leaders. Uh, and so I feel that we have a strong moral obligation to vote. Uh, and of course, that means that we need to inform ourselves. There needs to be some uh, like, uh, you know, I've still got a European passport and uh, be sent uh, 
information there, but because I don't live over there and I don't follow things over there, uh, a while ago I stopped voting over there because I was concerned that if I just place my vote anywhere, I'm helping the wrong people to get to power. And some of them might say, well, one vote's not going to make any difference, but, but I'm suggesting that uh, it'll absolutely make a difference because uh, uh, a thousand votes are made up of individual single votes. Somebody said once that when he pours down uh, the rain, a, a big shower is made up of individual drops of water dropping down. Uh, and if each individual drop of water decides that to just stay away, then the ground will stay parched. And so it is for us, friends, when we cast our vote, uh, it's not so much what can one vote to, it's what, what can one vote to, it's what's the principle of it here. Uh, and so we cast a righteous vote. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any society. So we said that, you know, politicians would have us believe that the economy lifts up the nation or a good education system lifts up the nation or a good health system lifts up the nation. All of these things are important. Don't get me wrong. They're absolutely important. But God puts at the top of the list righteousness. He says righteousness is what exalts a nation. Um, and so the question is, or should we say what matters most is how righteous and godly is the political leader and what is their track record uh, as far as voting on moral issues is concerned. And I made reference to a brochure um, that we have out there in the foyer that's been put together by a good group of people called Family First. Uh, and it's called You Be the Kingmaker. It says value your vote in election 2014. And that tells us the track record of politicians. It's not what they say, it's how they vote in the in the chamber when they vote on important issues, on conscience issues, when they vote on moral issues. That's what matters, and that is in here. Not only that, they're also projecting ahead in regards to, you know, they're coming in on the platform of certain election promises and so forth, and that's also in here. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't already got one, pick that up. Uh, this is sort of strongly leaning in the way of uh, what's good for families, but I'm suggesting to you that morality is very important for families. Uh, and so there is a resource there that I'll encourage you to use um, and then to pray about things and to ask God as to what he's saying to you. Um, <clears throat> so um, we said in um, Psalm 11 verse 3, uh, and we kind of left off there, we kind of ran out of time last week. Uh, Psalm 11 verse 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, uh, what can the righteous do? You know, Psalm 11 uh, speaks about uh, the righteousness of God. It speaks about upright people. It speaks about wicked people. Uh, and David, the psalmist, says, what can the righteous do? He says, when the wicked, um, uh, rather when the foundations are destroyed, and the indication there is that wicked people destroy the foundation in any society by promoting ungodliness, promoting ungodly laws, promoting ungodly living, and so forth. And so he says, if the foundations are destroyed, um, the foundations here specifically uh, refer to the foundations of a society, namely its biblical bedrock values and principles on which it has been built. 
Some nations don't have much foundations at all, uh, and so therefore it makes for an unstable nation, an unstable political environment, an unstable, and we could name countries like right now, and everybody say, oh yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Like, there's not much foundation there. Uh, in fact, we've got uh, one particular European nation, um, more in the southern part of Europe, that every five to six months they've got a new government. Uh, it's just completely unstable. There's clearly not much foundation there because if there's a good stable foundation there it makes for stable government it makes for a stable economy stable you know people are able to move on with life and get on with it rather than wondering like oh what's going to happen next um and uh, praise god for western civilization praise god for the Judeo-Christian foundations and, uh, and values and judicial system that has put in place in Western nations. And that's actually what's given us uh, stable uh, foundations in our societies. Western societies. I'm talking like, uh, you know, where democracy is established, uh, where dictators don't rule, where evil regimes don't rule and everything. And so we're very blessed uh, that we live in a country like New Zealand, where we've got reasonably stable environment. Um, and so he says here, what can the righteous do if the foundations are destroyed? Friends, let's never take our foundations for granted. Uh, they could be here today, gone tomorrow. Um, here today and gone tomorrow. Like one minute you've got a stable environment and you get some people coming in that are just bent on overthrowing society as we understand it, of ripping everything up. Uh, what can the righteous do? Well, the righteous can fight back by demanding a standard of righteousness from leaders. All right, a standard of righteousness from leaders. It is not unreasonable to expect a standard of righteousness and moralities from our leaders. If we don't, we are unwise. If we just go on their abilities to lead, on their abilities to make things happen, on their hard work and all of these other things, uh, God says it is righteousness that exalts a nation. So first and foremost, we ought to be looking for righteousness in leaders. All right, that's the first thing. Never mind about my preferences here, there, or left, or right, and so forth. It's righteousness. That's what we are looking for. All right. And then secondly, we can vote wicked leaders out of power and elect righteous leaders instead. And that is the privilege that we have uh, every three years when elections come around. You know, there's been various things that have been tried by righteous people, the whole issue of uh, getting uh, referendum signed and everything else. Successive governments have ignored public referendums uh, multiplied hundreds of thousands of signatures have been gathered together presented to parliament to the politicians there only for them to ignore it uh, but now is the time for us to let our voice be heard uh, so i'd encourage you to really pray about this thing and to cast a first and foremost a righteous vote uh, move into neutral as far as your political preference is concerned and look for righteousness first and foremost proverbs 22 verse 28 it says do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Do not move the ancient landmarks. Now, specifically, uh, this is uh, Proverbs speaking into uh, when Israel was going to come into, uh, into uh, the country there, into, into the promised land, that the land was divided up to them. It was Joshua's job under the leadership of Joshua to divide up the land to various tribes, and then the tribal leaders would divide up the land amongst various clans, and the leader of the clan would divide up the land amongst the various families, and then they would set boundary marks and, and, and so forth. And uh, the Bible says, don't remove those. All right. And so uh, don't start shifting those about. Uh, and so what 
we get, we get an understanding from that that the laws and societal norms of Western nations are largely based on Judeo-Christian principles. When we say Judeo-Christian, meaning that the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is our foundation in Western societies. You take that away, then you've got like nations around the world that have got uh, all sorts of uh, uh, false religions, you've got poverty, you've got disaster, you've got all sorts of things uh, going on. It is Christianity that has brought us democracy. Just never forget that. It is Christianity that's given us all of that. All right. Um, and uh, so uh, the Judeo-Christian principles, so for example, judicial systems will be based largely on the Old Testament. They shall not steal, shall not, uh, you know, shall not murder, shall not do any of these things. Uh, that's where uh, our foundations come from. Uh, and the Bible says, do not remove the ancient landmarks. Uh, the Bible says there must not be, you see, the biblical principles and standards that have been laid down by the forefathers who were, for the most part, godly people. They might not have all been Christian, but there was a good, strong biblical ethic uh, in uh, politicians way back that these things were laid down. Uh, and then sadly, in recent years, uh, in recent times, uh, uh, there has been a, 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 uh, an eroding of the Judeo-Christian principles because liberal politicians and social engineers have been voted into power. What's a social engineer? A social engineer is going into uh, parliament with view of upripping up or ripping up the existing society and the standards as we understand them and to rewrite uh, the, the books, to rewrite, so we're going to have a new society now uh, uh, and so forth. So social engineers that are starting to take away the bedrock foundations upon which things are based and things are built on, they're starting to trifle and to maneuver uh, with these foundations. Um, the word foundations there, when it says if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Uh, the meaning of the original word there speaks of even when you got a large rock um, uh, somewhere, uh, then they're not talking about the rock being the foundation. They're talking about the foundation of the rock underneath. Uh, if those foundations are destroyed, then everything else begins to weaken. Uh, you know, it's been found that in the earthquake in Christchurch that uh, the bigger damage has happened from the bottom up. Um, why is that? Because that's what happens in earthquakes. And uh, then the foundations get destroyed. In fact, uh, uh, Vanessa and I, we've got friends down there, acquaintances, where uh, the, 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 when the ground shook, the, the, the foundation actually stood, but the house got shunted off the foundation about a meter and a half this way. And talk about a disaster and so forth. And so what we're talking about here is it says uh, the foundations are destroyed. What can the righteous do? It says do not remove the ancient landmarks. In fact, God goes on to say in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 it says thus says the Lord stand by the way and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it all right so God says stand and have a good look he says he says stand by the way and see and then he says ask for the ancient paths where the way is good and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls you know, um, in, in terms of uh, the troubles that any nation experiences, God, God is into peace. God wants there to be peace so that people are able to have enjoyment of life, get on with their lives, raising families, work and get ahead in life and so forth. Uh, God wants there 
to be peace. Um, you know, during the time when uh, God spoke to uh, the nation of Israel uh, through the prophet Jeremiah, the nation had backslidden and moved away from the ancient laws, from the ancient laws of righteousness that God had set up, and they started to rewrite societal norms. They said, we're going to do things differently now. We're going to move away from the ancient laws. We're going to do things differently. And friends, that's what we have seen happen in recent years. The people have said, look, all of these bedrock values, we no longer believe in those now. We want to rewrite all of that and build, rebuild the society from the ground up. All right, that's really, uh, perhaps people would not explain it in so many words, but that's the sum total of what we've seen happen. Uh, we've seen liberal politicians come in, and when I say liberal, as in just uh, wanting to overthrow the existing society as it has stood for, for, for centuries, um, and say we're going to rewrite the social norms. Uh, that's why we call them social engineers. They're re-engineering society. Now, you can always tweak society. You can always endeavor to make it better, but when you start from the foundation, up, the question is, who has given them the mandate to do that? All right, where's the mandate uh, to do that? So um, he says, ask for the ancient paths where the way is good and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they says, but they said, we will not walk in it. So the people said, no, nah, we're not going to do it. Yeah, but this is God speaking. We are still not going to do it, they said. And of course, we know and read in Jeremiah that in the end, the people were carted off into captivity and all of that because they completely rebelled against God's laws, rebelled against the ancient laws that God had set down, and they moved away from it. In Jeremiah 15, verse, uh, verse uh, rather in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 15, God says, For my people have forgotten me, they burn incense to worthless idols, and they've stumbled from their ways, from the ancient paths, to walk in byways and not in a highway. And what was happening there was that rather than burning the incense that God had told them to make, they started to buy the incense, they started to import it from Sheba, uh, which is kind of uh, down, uh, down, uh, down Africa way, which is kind of a foreign incense. And they put that into the temple and burnt that. And God says, I don't want this stuff. Don't, don't import this foreign uh, 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 incense to me. He says, make the one that I told you to make, and that's what I'm pleased with. And uh, the nation of Israel got into rituals, and I don't know, maybe they got too lazy to make the incense like God told him to make it, or it was too expensive, we can get a cheaper import, who knows? Who knows? And But God says, no, 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 no. He says, I don't want that stuff. He says, they burn incense to worthless gods, and they've stumbled from their way, from the ancient paths to walk in byway, in bypaths, uh, not on a highway. You know, there's, a, there's a, a Kiwi, a New Zealander, that's traveling around the coastline of New Zealand, literally, I mean, he's walking the coastline of New Zealand. I don't know how far he is, but he's a remarkable man. Is he a Kiwi or is he, is he from the UK? Anyway, some of you might have heard it on the news a couple of weeks ago. This guy's following his way to the coastline, and there's not even a path there. I mean, he's just walking on the beach and then he's climbing over rocks and he's working his way in and out of bays and everything, taking a long time to get around. I mean, you know, it's quicker to travel up on the motorway or what, what would be called the highway, state highway one, to get from here to the top of the island, much quicker to get somewhere on the highway than to walk in a byway or on some path or just out in the wilderness somewhere. The people of Israel there, they were out in the wilderness somewhere. They were no, long, no longer walking on the paths that God had described to them. And somehow they were not having a good time, but they couldn't tell. They said, we're not having a good time, but we're not going to do what God tells us to do. You know, each time when we do stuff that God tells us not to do, we don't have a good time. <laughs> You know, the Bible says that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. You know, individually, there is a pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. 
And collectively as a nation, if we get into sin, there could be a pleasure in that. Say, well, this is much easier. You know, let's do that. But, you know, it will catch up. There will be consequences every time. If collectively as a nation, we walk away from the ancient paths that have been laid down. Uh, and of course, that's what's happening around the world. Uh, you talk about some of the upripping of Judeo-Christian uh, uh, principles in American uh, judicial system and in the whole political environment there in Europe and, uh, you know, in Australia and around the world where you know that there's democracy that's been well established, good, stable societies. There's now a rewriting of the cult. They call it the new normal. All right, the new normal, that's become a catchphrase. And I say, what's wrong with the old normal? What's wrong with God's laws? What's wrong with God's principles? All right. So that's that's what's been happening. Um, And so when God says to them to return to the ancient paths, that's really a call to retain or return to a value-based society established in Judeo-Christian principles instead of humanistic and trendy philosophies. Everybody say Judeo-Christian. Judeo referring Judaism as described in the Old Testament, and Christian refers to the New Testament uh, Christianity. And that's not to say that everybody has to be a Christian, but it means that these are the values, this is the bedrock of our society. Western societies, uh, uh, all of that's come about uh, due to, uh, due to um, um, you know, Christianity getting established in nations. All right. In fact, if you, and we have done this before in previous years. If we were to uh, look at the world map and establish as to where we might want to live uh, in terms of wanting to immigrate to another country, you know, we might want to go for holiday to a nice place, to a nice beach somewhere. We don't really care all that much uh, in terms of the political situation in that country, so long as it's reasonably safe. And, you know, we go to a nice place. But in terms of going somewhere to establish a family, to raise kids and so forth, most of us will pick Reformation countries. When I say Reformation countries, as to where the Christian Reformation has really taken hold, which is typically the country where, um, where Christianity has been established, where democracy is established and everything. But the concern is that there's been a shifting away from all of that. And the liberties that we have so enjoyed are quietly slipping away. And the question is, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can we do? Well, we can demand that there be righteousness in the leaders. Uh, we can demand that they make, uh, they make righteous decisions rather than uh, trying to re-establishing uh, things on the new normal. So uh, we should not allow liberal and trendy politicians to destroy foundations such as our Christian heritage, traditional marriage values, traditional family values, freedom of speech, freedom to choose. Uh, there are certain choices uh, that are fundamental to, to democracy. When they are taken away, we no longer have democracy. All right. The more rights we give to minority and special interest groups, the more we take away the rights of the general public. <laughs> okay. That's what tends to happen. We just try to accommodate everybody, especially the interests over here. Yeah, we'll give you that right. We'll give you that right. But what we got, right shifts from one place to another. It's not like right can be plucked out of thin air and given to somebody. Right gets taken away from one group of people and given to another group of people. That's really what happens. All right. So 
In Psalm 33, verse 12, it says, Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people he has chosen for his own. So in reality, is if we want to be a happy nation, not just now, but in a decade to come, um, in, in 30, 50, 80 years, however long, if we want to be a happy nation, uh, then uh, we need to choose the Lord is our God, and we need to choose the ancient paths that he has prescribed to us. Uh, you know, we're not an Eastern uh, nation. Um, we're not a Hindu nation. We're not a, we're not a, um, um, a, a, a Buddhist nation or anything of the like. They've got their own laws and they've got their own systems and everything. We're a Western nation, all right, established on bedrock biblical values uh, that have been laid down uh, that liberal lawmakers are trying to rip out. So um, there's two big words relating to the political landscape of democracies, two, two big words. And uh, I'm not a political scientist, but I'm trying to describe it to you the best way that I can, the best way that I understand it. Um, some of these things might be, you might say, well, that's a bit debatable, and I will agree, agree with that. Uh, things are not entirely cut and dried. But let me describe to you in a kind of a show and tell type scenario in regards to uh, how the political landscape is sort of laid out and what all of that means. So I've got my little props there. In fact, I wonder if the ushers could get me the chairs that I've asked for and bringing them up the front. That would be helpful. And I've got my little signs there. Um, and I'll endeavor to lay them down as good as I can um, just to help you to make an informed choice because tragically a lot of Christians don't understand uh, politics and uh, you know it's one of these things that you can't follow everything and understand everything. Some people spent more time on these things, some people spent less time on it. But, but the concern is that if people make an uninformed vote, uh, we just lay them up along the uh, platform there along the top, that'll be awesome. Praise God. In fact, I'm going to move myself back a little bit. Yep. That'll be wonderful. Just along, we've got two or three. In fact, uh, let's place a couple over here as well. That'll be awesome. Take out every, every second one there. Another one over there. Wonderful. All right. I've not practiced this, so just be patient and uh, just bear with me. Praise God. One, two, all right. We'll see how we go with that. One more. We just, yeah, on the far side there. That'll be awesome. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> two big words that we need to understand uh, in order to have any any uh, appreciation for how the political landscape is laid out and what it means to be left or right or center or far left or far right. Um, and those two big words are, and you've got them in your outline, uh, one's uh, the word liberal and the other one is the word conservative. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay down three other words and I'll do that first. And I'll endeavor. in fact, I'll come down because I don't want to confuse you and put things on my right and to your left when I call it right. I don't want to confuse you with that. So let's put center uh, in the middle there. That is the center. Then over here, we've got left. And uh, over here, we have got right. Okay. 
So what does it mean, right-wing politicians? What do they mean by all of that? Um, there's two words that determine whether somebody's left or right. Uh, one is the word liberal, which is on the left. And the other one is the word conservative, and that is on the right. So uh, let me just read you the definitions. Um, everybody's heard the term right-wing politics, left-wing politics. Everybody has heard the term. Sometimes people are not always sure. Uh, people say, oh, that's a centrist party. They mean that that's uh, centrist. Is neither left nor right is centrist. Um, there's one politician that prided himself on common sense policies, reckons he's here, all right? Um, and then you got center, you got left, you got center left going here somewhere. There's not like one or the other, there's like stages in between, and then you got the far left. Some people go way, way out. So, the, you know, the further out, when it goes out beyond the curtain there, that's lunatic material. I mean, this is just uh, incredible. Like, you'd have no idea some of the political parties that are registered, and you look at some of their, you know, look at some of their, their policies, it's just lunatic stuff. I mean, it's way out. And, you know, we've said that sometimes the further out you get, you can't tell if it's left or right anymore. You know, you got, uh, like, uh, we got left, you got, like, communism way out, way out in that direction. You got fascism way out in that direction. And they say that the further out it goes, it actually curves back around, and it's no longer a straight line, it makes a curve, and the two extremes meet again, and then you're just like, it's like, what is this? Is left or right? It's everything uh, uh, and, and, and nothing. It's just, uh, just way, way out there. So let's look at those two words, uh, definitions of the word uh, conservative, conservative politics. Uh, uh, there is uh, some definitions here of the word conservative, some which relate to conservatism in politics and others is just a, a standard definition. So number one, favoring traditional views and values. That's what the word conservative means. It's uh, traditional or restrained in style, so tradition is important. Uh, like for example, you would, have, uh, you would have Republicans and you would have Royalists uh, in New Zealand, so meaning that the Royalists say would say, let's retain the crown, we like the queen, we want to keep her. And as soon as somebody says that, it places them on the right of center because that's where the traditional view is. All right? And then we got the Republicans who say, oh, let's tell her to go home, we don't want her anymore, we're going to establish a republic. As soon as somebody says that, it places them on the left of center. Suddenly you got a left-wing person uh, because they want to uproot the traditional status quo and say we want to do something different, we want to rewrite all of that, we want to send the governor general home and we want a president, all right, because that's what Republican uh, is. So you got uh, then number three, a, a term here that's moderate. Um, uh, moderate, um, you know, moderate um, politics, you will get anywhere from like, you know, from here along here, you know, to, okay, well, a certain point here, and then maybe a little bit further, and then, you know, the further out it goes, the less moderation, you've got extreme views, you've got like the extreme people out on either side. Um, then another meaning of the word conservative is, it's of or relating to the political philosophy of conservatism. Conservative, conservatism. It's not conservationism, 
That's a different thing, conservatism. All right. And then belonging to a conservative party group or movement. Um, and then finally, the fifth meaning there is it's tending to conserve. So somebody that's conservative is tending to conserve. And there's an example given here of the conservative use of natural resources. All right, makes sense. So that's the meaning of the word conservative. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about the word liberal. Um, and we've already established that conservative means traditional views. So we've just talked before about the ancient paths, the traditional paths as God has laid them down. Uh, you know, millennia ago, God calls those the ancient paths. So that would mean then that conservatism would sort of lean in the direction of biblical values. Is that what it would mean? Um, some might say that's a little bit debatable. I know it's not quite as clear cut as that, but that's the general trend and general direction. You talk about liberal then. Um, liberal, number one, is not limited to or established. Um, let me start again. Not limited to or by established traditional orthodox or authoritarian attitude or views. So liberal then means that you move from center of politics to left into liberal uh, political views and political parties and so forth. And it's not, it's not, is it liberal or not? It's just a measure of it. Some are mildly middle, uh, liberal, um, some are way extreme, way out the other end. Um, so secondly, or later B, it's uh, favoring proposals for reform, open to new ideas for progress and tolerant to the ideas and behaviors of others. Now that in itself is not a bad thing. How many know that at certain times, you know, there had to be a shift made in society? Uh, um, praise God. So sometimes you've got you to have reform. How many know when Martin Luther came along, he said, it's time to reform. Things are no longer working. Society is no longer how it should be. There's just, uh, you know, all sorts of things wrong. There's certain groups of people favored and others are entirely pushed down. And, and the wealth is all in the wrong, you know, group of people and so forth. It needs to be a redistribution and so forth. So that, that's a good thing that there is some, uh, some uh, uh, proposals for reform, open to new ideas um, for progress and tolerant of the ideas and behavior on others. As Christians, we ought to be tolerant. I think that's a good thing. All right. Uh, but how do you know that tolerance has a certain boundary at a certain outer level that we can't just tolerate everything? Uh, how do you know that, uh, you know, in your family at home and the kids play up a little bit, you know, certain things you tolerate, but at a certain point, we can't tolerate this anymore. This, this is a place which has become bedlam now. The, then the tolerance ends here. We now need to bring correction uh, to a situation. And sometimes in society, you've got to bring a correction to some things. The tolerance really only goes so far. And then uh, you have another meaning there, the letter C characteristics uh, of a political party founded on the principles of social and political liberalism. Um, and so that's uh, where that word liberal um, uh, politics comes in. Uh, it tends to be on the left um, of, um, of center. Now, having said that, you will get a political party that would have a on the right that would have a liberal element in it. So as I say, it's not entirely cut and dried. Um, and it's just taken quite a bit of doing to kind of say, what are we actually dealing with? And, and, and what's the, the, the voting record of these people? And where do they stand? And what's all going on here? 
So the uh, next uh, meaning, the point number two under the word liberal, it means tending to give freely. Uh, so to be liberal is to just, you know, not stingy is the opposite of stingy. That's a good thing. Number three, not strict or literal. Uh, it's loose or approximate. Um, of course, uh, uh, the conservatives where, you know, biblical values are concerned will be like, you know, we need to be strict on that. We can't get into loose territory. Uh, we can't be too loose with that stuff. Yes, there needs to be love. Yes, there needs to be acceptance. Yes, there needs to be tolerance. But if we get completely wishy-washy, we might as well throw the whole thing away. All right. So, um, not strict or, or literal. And number four, relating to the traditional arts and sciences of a university curriculum. So the word liberal then also is used in, uh, in um, education system where they say somebody's had a liberal education. They talk about the liberal arts, uh, whatever they are, mathematics, science, and the different things. And then finally, there's one uh, meaning here. They reckon it's obsolete. Uh, According to this dictionary here, number five, uh, the word liberal also means or used to mean morally unrest unrestrained, uh, licentious. Um, so morally unrestrained and licentious. So with that, we've got the political spectrum sort of approximately laid out before us. Once again, we've got... Uh, Center. And by the way, the left and the right, and that terminology comes from the way that uh, the parliament was seated after the French Revolution. They had a left and they had a right. Uh, they had left-wing politics and right-wing politics. That eventually was incorporated into British um, uh, parliament system. And now you have it around the world where people refer to left-wing politics and right-wing politics. All right. So that's where that comes from. And it's still used today. It's very helpful uh, for us to know where somebody stands. Uh, it's very helpful for us to understand as to where actually the, 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 the people are that would favor the ancient paths and those that would completely want to rip the ancient paths up. All right, so with that, let me just come back to my, uh, to my notes here, and uh, I have got uh, some examples here in regards to uh, which side of the political spectrum has the moral decline come from in recent times. That's a good question to ask. Uh, over the recent years, uh, last sort of decade or two, there's been uh, some uh, traditional uh, laws have been upwritten and rewritten, um, all in the name of becoming a more tolerant, a more in inclusive uh, society, uh, and so forth, more diverse and everything. Here's just some examples here. Uh, number one, there's the Prostitution Law Reform Bill of 2004. That was a private member's bill by Labour Party uh, MP Tim Barnett. Uh, he was the, uh, the manager of that bill, uh, assigned by the Labour Party, because he's a, he was a Labour MP, he's no longer in politics today, or so certainly not in, in New Zealand, uh, and he was driving all of that. Of course, uh, they said that uh, that bill was going to clean the industry up. Uh, there was all sorts of promises made, uh, but in reality, he hasn't cleaned it up at all. Did you know that in New Zealand, uh, when that bill was established, 2003, 2004, that we now have the more, most liberal um, prostitution laws anywhere around the world? In New Zealand. <laughs> okay. Liberal. All right. 
people have said, well, we can't maintain status quo. It's not working too well and everything. Um, and as I said last week, that uh, we now got street prostitution that we never used to have. Um, we now got, uh, you know, women out there that are selling their bodies, um, uh, some of who are underage. Uh, it's an ongoing problem. You now got uh, brothels operating legally uh, in residential areas that was not previously possible. So they said it will clean the industry up. It has not. Um, there might be a few things that might be a bit better. And for some, you know, they talked about sex workers having more rights and access to health and so forth. And I'm, I'm for all of that, uh, for some of that anyway. But in reality, the sum total is that we've now got the most liberal, among the most liberal uh, prostitution laws from anywhere in the world. And countries from around the world have been watching New Zealand and watching that bill in the first reading, the second reading, to see how it would go, because countries take cues from one another. Oh, let's try the Swedish model, let's try the British model, let's try the Australian model, and everything. So New Zealand's become a trendsetter, okay, towards the most liberal uh, prostitution laws uh, in the world. Um, so one example. Number two, we had the civil union bill uh, in... Uh, 2005, the minister in charge of the bill was Labour Party MP, David uh, uh, Benson Pope, and, uh, and of course much against uh, the, uh, the um, uh, large sector of society saying, look, we don't want that, we don't need that. Uh, it was pushed through, it was ran through anyway. Um, and uh, let me just lay out a few more of my little signs there. And this could become a bit tricky because it is sometimes a bit difficult to exactly place where people are on the political spectrum. You might shift them back and forth a couple of chairs and some of that could be debatable. We're on the right here. We've got the X party of New Zealand. Uh, we got uh, the Conservative Party. I'll place them here for now. We might shift them about a little bit later on. We have got uh, the National Party. Uh, let's place those guys here. And in fact, uh, the word conservative in terms of the whole right-leaning thing and the conservative party are not the same, but there's a, a relatedness there in terms of meaning. Now, national party, um, it's almost like uh, we don't want to place them out this far because the current situation is that they're much more centrist than right-wing at this current situation. Of course, they've got uh, elements within that are very right and elements within that are leaning more to center and some would even lean further into the, uh, the left-wing politics. And so you get a political party that's in a general sense placed on the right, but within itself, it still has, has its own uh, uh, left or right leanings. Uh, then uh, over here, you've got uh, Labour Party, placed those over here. Definitely left wing. Uh, we got uh, Maori Party. Uh, I got a spare chair here. I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly where they sit, but they will definitely sit left of centre. Then we've got the uh, Internet uh, Mana Party. We'll put them up here. In fact, I'll put them up here. <laughs> um, in fact, if I had a second sign, uh, I will find a chair and place it on here as well. Because you got now a marriage uh, within that internet minor party that's like boggles the mind. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. Just bear with me, okay? We got the Green Party. Uh, 
Uh, they will definitely fit out here somewhere. And then we got New Zealand First Party, good old Winston Peters. Um, you know, we might do that, or we might swap these two around. As I say, some of that will be debatable. But what I want to know is, where has our moral decline come from? In terms of center, right, just my left and your right, and uh, center, left, on this side there, where has it come from? Well, two bills, and I've just plucked seven or eight uh, out of them. There's obviously other stuff that goes on. We've only got so much time uh, to drill into things. So there was the relationship bill uh, in 2005 that was established. The minister in charge uh, of the bill was Labour Party uh, uh, PM uh, Leanne Dalsell, Labour Party. because uh, she's now the mayor of Christchurch. Uh, she's no longer in politics, but she was in charge of that bill. Uh, again, the specifics of it, we don't have time to drill into it, and I can't say that I fully understand every aspect of it, but basically it's removed uh, some of the privileges of uh, married couples in terms of being able to adopt children and so forth and so forth. It's removed all of that, and in terms of uh, married couples make their status in law uh, equal to de, fac de facto couples and uh, civil union couples, uh, same-sex couples, it's just leveled all of that out. So there's no longer any, any special recognition uh, in law for marriage. Uh, as God has laid it out, marriage being between one man and one woman. All right? It was Adam and, and Eve. Somebody said it's not Adam and Steve, and it's not uh, Madam and Eve, it's Adam and Eve. All right? So that's been done away with, um, and that happened from the left. That happened from the liberal camp. Uh, then, of course, in uh, number four, you got the anti-smacking law, 2007. That was a private me member's bill by a Green Party a member of parliament, Sue Bradford. Uh, I don't think Sue Bradford is in, is in politics anymore today, unless I'm wrong. Uh, but anyway, that's where that's come from, Green Party. All right. So what that does now is that uh, it's taken away the right for parents to use a light smack uh, is part of their correction process and training process of training up children. And, um, and that's what we got now. So you got, uh, you got generally good parents are being, uh, being investigated. Um, parents have to watch it now. You get churned into that uh, legal system, investigated by the police. SIFS comes around. Uh, and sometimes months later, that they get sort of let off again. But in the meantime, their name's been marred. The trauma of having the kids taken off them is just unbelievable. Uh, if you want to find out some of the specifics, you jump online, get onto the website of Family First, and watch some of the documentaries and some of the interviews of good, generally good people for just a light smack uh, as to what's happened to them and how they were churned through the mill. Uh, so parents, you've got to watch it now, <laughs> okay? Uh, because Big Nanny State is breathing down your neck. Um, and of course, I've said when they established that law, it's like, what are we going to do with, with, uh, with uh, sort of strong-willed kids? I mean, there's obviously other means of, of training children and correcting, but the, the right to, to smack has uh, now been taken away. So we're not going to drop them off at Parliament grounds now and give them to the politicians and say, you train up my kids then. <laughs> And when they're grown up, you give them back to me again. It's like, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So uh, the interesting thing is that uh, the ancient paths say, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
It says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will remove it far from him. Well, if we were to, legally, uh, to, to literally interpret that today, we are no longer allowed to do that now in this country. Politicians know best. The ancient paths have been overwritten now. That's been ripped up. We've now got a different system in place. Because it wouldn't be very hard to put an amendment into that law. Uh, this party over here have said they're going uh, to do what they can uh, to get that law reworked again so that good parents are not going to be criminalized and prosecuted and investigated and so forth. So anyway, this is just some of the facts that are easily available. Um, and again, uh, where has number four come from? It's come from the left. That's where it's come from. Um, and of course, sadly, some of these laws in the first and second, some of the third reading were vaulted in by some of the people on the right as well. So, so in other words, uh, what we got here is we got the conservatives. Don't even want to stand up now, the conservatives, do they? Stand up. We got the conservatives that let us down. So if you guys, we vote you in because we have a certain expectation on, on you where you say you're going to be placed towards the ancient paths rather than to rip up what we have. You guys are now shifting over here and you call yourself a, a right-wing party. What, what's happened? Let us down. So... Um, then you have uh, number five, the um, same-sex bill, same-sex marriage bill. The sponsor of the bill was, surprise, surprise, Labour Party uh, Member of Parliament, Louisa Wall. So, you know, they told us when the civil union uh, debate went on, they said, we don't want to get married. We just want a legally recognized civil union. That's all we want. We don't want marriage. That's what they said. <laughs> And people believed it, and people bought into it. And some of these guys have moved away, and they said, look, we're going to move in that direction just to accommodate them. Let's be more tolerant. Let's be more inclusive. Let's be more this and everything else. So we now have um, what God says we shouldn't have, uh, that marriage has always been, according to the ancient paths, between one man and one woman. Do we tell everybody what to do in their bedroom at home? No, we're not telling anybody what to do. I mean, we say these are the ancient paths. That's where the good way is. But if you want to live the other way, that's fine. But don't railroad a whole nation into accepting laws that are completely against the ancient paths. Don't ask that of us. But anyway, the horse is bolted. So uh, that's a same-sex marriage bill. And of course we know, and I talked about it briefly last week, that we got the proposed bill to decriminalize abortion. Um, abortion is still illegal um, in New Zealand now, um, though there is some you know, exceptions and so forth. And because uh, the current status of a uh, number of abortions, I believe, is around is it between the 14 to 18,000 babies are being aborted uh, a year. And uh, they tell me that it is not uncommon um, for the same women to turn up again and again. That's not the, the, not the, the, the rule. That's not every time. But, uh, but there is a sort of some of them having multiple portions over and over and over. Um, and so, you know, um, according to the ancient paths, 
We believe in the sanctity of life from conception to the grave. Um, you know, we might argue that, uh, you know, when the bird says you shall not kill, actually what the bird says you shall not murder. You know, there is capital punishment uh, practiced in different places around the world. Um, we might argue against it, and I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. That's not the, the point of my discussion. But uh, if somebody has committed a major crime, and the laws of the land determine that if you commit this crime, you're going to be punished with capital punishment, then uh, that's, not, that's not murder, that's killing. There's a difference between killing and murder. In fact, even our judicial system understands that if somebody gets killed, there's murder and then there's manslaughter. So not everything is like the same. You know, there's different categories of different things. But to kill innocent babies, there's no excuse for that. We might have a few situations here or there where there's some strong medical reasons why, you know, if a mother can't survive because of major complications and so forth, we say, well, you know, there's a decision that needs to be made. But now to decriminalize the whole show and to open up the gates uh, and uh, let the masses run through it without any um, or much restraint by these guys over here is completely against the ancient paths. They're telling us. It'll make it much safer. There'll be less discrimination against women when they go and have an abortion. Uh, women will have an abortion earlier. Uh, so it'll be much safer. So it's always, you know, there's certain cover terms and people, oh, okay, okay, okay. But, you know, they told us other things before. They told us about the prostitution law reform that everything was going to be better. It's not better at all. They told us it was going to be better, but it's not better at all. There might be some improvements to some elements within all of that, but what we've got today is not better. All right? So uh, you got this uh, bill, uh, the proposed bill uh, to decriminalize abortion. And again, we haven't got the details. There's obviously some parameters there in terms of late-term abortions and everything uh, in there that we haven't got time to get into. Uh, all the details are not released, but this is effectively an election promise of the Green Party of New Zealand. The environmentalists. All right. Um, some of the tr traditional issues and ideals are either no longer true across the board or they're only used to use a smokescreen as a front cover to say, vote for us, this is what we're going to do, and in the meantime, they will bring out other things. And you and I need to pray and we need to discern where the liars are, who they are, and, and if... If, so effectively, if the pre Green Party gets voted into, into Parliament, which of course it will, it's just a matter of number of uh, members of Parliament that will be there, to see if they will remotely be a part of some sort of a government uh, a coalition project, if they go in because they've been elected, they've got a mandate to, to decriminalize abortion. They've got a mandate because they said this is what we're going to do. And if they said this is what we're going to do and people still vote for them, there is a mandate there. And then there's not much that we can do uh, other than pray and just trust God. <laughs> All right. So, but, you know, with some of the things that have gone on in the last while, there's been laws that have been established, particularly some of those uh, 
some of those conscience votes, some of those morality issues that was never a part of the election um, uh, promises or, or different uh, issues that they were pushing. They got elected into power and then they brought these things out. And then, of course, you got uh, uh, what they call private members bill, where any member in parliament, in government or in opposition, can put a private members bill into a ballot. And then periodically they draw uh, bills out of the ballot and then they get debated. And that's a good process of, uh, of democratic society. Uh, and so you get uh, some of these things like, where does that come from? Who's ever talked about that before? Well, they haven't talked about it before. They just brought it out in a private member's bill. I told you last week that uh, the, the next uh, point there, uh, we got the uh, proposed end of life. Um, let me start again. The proposed end of life choice bill. It's called the euthanasia bill. Uh, and it's also called the dignity uh, Dignity to, uh, to death or something. Uh, so different terms. It's 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 the same bill. Could be slight variations between those ones. Well, that's a future bill, um, and the future sponsor of the bill is Labour Party. Surprise, surprise. Labour Party MP Louisa Wall. Now, I had a little read of an article that I came across. Last week, I want to just remind you of that again. Um, Marion Street, according to the New Zealand Herald, removed the end-of-life choice bill from the private members' bill ballot this year out of concern that a debate about euthanasia could come up in an election year. So in other words, we don't want to discuss this in election year. This could hurt us. Let's do away with that. So voluntary euthanasia will be placed back on the political agenda like a shot after the next election, Labour MP Marion Street says. So in other words, let the election come and go. We're not going to tell anybody publicly that that's what's going to happen. We're going to bring this thing out again and then we'll fight the same bill again that's already been defeated twice. But, you know, the support for it is, is gaining and the, uh, the, uh, the rejection of it is waning. There is a public, uh, break, uh, you know, public opinion is breaking down towards all of that. So it said here that uh, she removed the end of life bill from the private members bill this year out of concern that it could come up in an election year um, issue and become a political football. Labour was also concerned the bill could distract from its main policies and deter more conservative voters. That's what Labour, the party, the party was concerned that one of their MPs, I said, look, let's not do that in election year. We don't want that to come out in election year. We don't want people to know about that. You know what's that, what that's called? That's called deception. A major issue on the morality spectrum, on the, on the, on the spectrum of righteousness, to deceptively rip something away with view of bringing it out again to deceive people, that is just totally and utterly deceptive. So asked whether she would revisit, revisit the issue after the general election, which is going to happen on the 20th of um, September, Ms. Street said, I'll put it back in the ballot like a shot. That will be one of my first actions. Well, a vote for Labour, according to what we're reading here, is a vote for euthanasia. A vote for the environment, for the Green Party, is a vote for decriminalizing abortion. That's the bottom line. It can't get any more simple than that. 
So where has most of our moral trouble come from in recent years? That's where it's come from. And I'm suggesting to you that uh, the political left has been hijacked by social engineers, by an extremely liberal uh, element within the political environment and within society, the people that want to be voted into power, to use these high ideals which Labour had in the beginning, ideals that are well worthy of supporting. We need to have good representation of all groups of people in terms of the generalities, what we find out there in society, have been hijacking uh, uh, issues such as, uh, such as the environment, which are very important issues, only to advance unrighteousness and to advance their own uh, purposes and their own agendas. I got an article here from the Greymouth Star. This was national news when it happened back in 2011. The West Coast uh, Labour MP, uh, Damien O'Connor. He's one of the good guys. <laughs> so there's some good people in there. And there's some hardworking people that want to just do what's right and stand for some of the principles of, uh, of, uh, of what Michael Savage a savage established way back when the Labour Party was first established to give proper representation for the working class people and to give them the best condition that we can and, and fair, you know, wages and so forth and all of these worthy causes. This is what um, Damien O'Connor said. It says that he, he sent shockwaves through his own party yesterday by withdrawing from the party list, declaring that it was drawn up by a gaggle of gays and self-serving unionists. West Coast man. They said he's speaking West Coast language now. Uh, no, I think he's suddenly caught down to what's happening. <laughs> okay. Mr. O'Connor said that the composition of the list gave straight shooters like himself little chance of gaining a fair deal. So he told the Greymouth Star today, this is um, 11th of April 2011, that he stood by his words, he says, I don't like the ganging up and the wheeling and dealing. The process is a faulty one. We in Labour risk the danger of the rest of New Zealand seeing us not representing or not representative of the wider population. So <laughs> he called the people that made up the, the list a gaggle of gays and self-serving self unionists. You, know, you may agree or disagree with that anyway. That was his comments. Um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, Damien is actually a farmer. Um, traditionally, farmers would sort of sit over here somewhere. But he wants to fight for the underdog, and he's over there. And I say, good on you, Damien. That's wonderful. That's fantastic. So in terms of the Labour Party, uh, it has its own right-leaning right wing and left-leaning wing within itself. So it's not just the whole spectrum from left to right on the overall thing that each party has got elements that are pulling it this way and pulling it that way. And very clearly, very clearly, Damien O'Connor is leaning in that direction. <laughs> oh, I mean, just, we're just stating facts here. Is this, uh, is this uh, reasonable? Is this logical? Uh, <clears throat> somebody said that United Future is not there. And I didn't have enough room in any way. My opinion, it's just my opinion, 
My opinion is I think he'll be gone after this election. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Praise God. What else do I have? <laughs> so, the advanced slogan of some of the political left is to building a tolerant, diverse, and inclusive society. It's the catch slogan. How can you argue against that? That's a good thing. But what exactly do we mean by that? How tolerant are we asked to be? I ask. How tolerant are we asked to be? Are we asked to allow our children to be taught sex education in schools by sexually deviant people? Are we asked to be tolerant about that? And not blink an eyelid and not try to fight against that? For some of you as kids, for some of us it'll be grandkids. For some of you it'll be like future kids. You know? I'm not concerned about me at my age. You're not going to swing me from the ancient paths and drag me around according to election promises. It's just not going to happen. But I'm very concerned about the next generation that's coming up that are no longer taught the ancient paths and that haven't got an understanding of certain bedrock values that they've been held to dear within you know, society in New Zealand and, you know, in Great Britain and European societies and so forth, and of course they've got their own problems over there. I'm not saying that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all just bad here. And by the way, by the way, these guys over here are not without guilt either. Just don't think that this is all about these are the bad guys and these are the good guys. It's not about that. When the, uh, when the um, same-sex marriage bill came in, I said, you guys let us down. If we can't trust the conservatives anymore to stand up for the ancient parts, how far right do we have to go till we find somebody that is able to drag this whole arrangement in this direction and bring it into this direction rather than it be dragged further down the thing? Imagine if I were to shift these chairs from here on forward no, let's not do that. If I were to ask the ashes to knock a hole out in the, in the wall and a hole out in the next wall and we shift the whole thing in that direction from about here onwards, what used to be center is now become right. And what, used to, what used to be left is, is now la-la land. You hear what I'm saying? What would happen with that? Young kids growing up, that's all they would know. But we remember the ancient paths. Don't anybody say that it's right for a man and a man to get married. Don't anybody tell me that. You just, you just can't tell me. Just. And of course, uh, sex education is already happening in schools. You realize that. <laughs> And of course, it's a bit like, uh, you know, the arts taught from an amoral position. Yeah, right. Remember, there's no such thing as independent news. By the way, the uh, media 
in New Zealand got strong liberal leanings. Academia in New Zealand got strong leftist leanings. Good intelligent people, but that's the leaning. But I'm asking, where are the people that stand up for the ancient paths? That's what I'm asking. It's not about uh, putting people down or knocking people. It's like, but how tolerant are we asked to be? See, kids are already taught uh, there would be a typical scenario uh, in sex education in terms of, you know, that uh, it is now um, purported that it's perfectly okay for two males to have sex with each other, and the word will be, no, it's not wrong, it's just different. They're very well thought out slogans that are difficult to argue against unless you're informed and unless you know where the ancient parts are. Somebody might say, well, where would you be on the political spectrum? Or I could be a bit elusive, I suppose. In my family, my father was um, national, would have been national party, I suppose. He's a businessman, um, working hard, believed that you work to get paid. And my mother might have uh, voted over here a couple of times. Then my brothers and sisters, we got a bit of a spread. The latest that came out, like my older brother and uh, the one just up from me, are here. And we have a few discussions here and there and the chives at each other. Now my younger brother comes out with a new one. He says he's now supporting the Green Party. And I said to the family, we've got a traitor among us now. <laughs> just, you know, good fun, you know, just a bit of a poke and a bit of a chive. Why? Because he believes in the environment, which I do too. But what boggles my mind, what boggles my mind, that he's an intelligent man that got two degrees after his name. It's Dr. Schlegel. I better watch it. He might listen to this tape and give me a hard time afterwards. He's a good man. He's a good man. I tell you, he's, the, he's a good man. But he's voting for these people. Because I don't know what exactly the Green Party is uh, pushing in, 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 in Austria where I was born right now. But, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And, uh, and there's the smoke screen up front. This is what we're about. But actually, this is what we are bringing out once we voted us into power. We're going to rip up the ancient past. We're going to put a new system down. So what else uh, do I need to say that I haven't already said? Um, are we asked to be so tolerant that we stand by quietly while our rights are taken away to speak out against lifestyles? and sexual choices which are clearly against God's will. You know, the political left would uh, claim to be very tolerant of the ideas and views of others, but in reality, many of them are only tolerant of those who agree with their ungodly agenda. That's the reality. So every slogan that we hear it's what does that mean? What do you mean by building a tolerant, inclusive, and fair society? What do you mean by that? Do you mean that we're going to kill more babies? Do, we, do you mean that we're going, to, we're going to devalue marriages that have been in existence uh, right now and that have been in existence since millennia? Now we're leveling all of that out. Do you mean, is that what you mean? 
because I can't be tolerant of that. But of course, I have to be now. You see, for example, me as a marriage celebrant, um, marriage celebrants, if in their conscience they believe it's wrong, say, for two women to get married, and two women come to a marriage celebrant that's offering these types of services, if he turns them down, and they'll drill down as to why are you turning us down? Are you turning us down because we're a same-sex couple? If he says yes or they prove it to him, they'll say, they'll say you discriminate against us. We're going to take you to court and they're liable to lock him up. You know, but if we give rights to so many people, we have to take that right away from somewhere else. We give rights to every little group, every little interest group, every little uh, agenda, people, every, every little thing. We take that right away from somewhere else. And do we want society to be more fair? Absolutely. Do we want to deal with prejudice? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the way that this has been going, we might have to, we might have to push out the wall in the neighboring property as well and shunt the whole arrangement in that direction because uh, some of these people have made a shift already. These guys let, let me down. I says, you guys let me down. The other guy I mentioned before says, you let me down. I will not vote for you ever again. And I wrote to him because he doesn't care. One vault. But you know, if there's 200 people that write to one guy, and this is where the gay lobby is very vocal in New Zealand, intimidating good politicians into voting in that direction, and the Christians are all very quiet. Oh, let's just have a prayer meeting together. I'm all for praying. I'm all for praying. So sometimes you've got to put some legs on them prayers to get something happening to step up. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 2, and I close with this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them. You know what I didn't tell you? I said I was going to close. I, I lied. Sorry, I'll repent later. I lied. <laughs> The uh, death with dignity bill that's uh, going to come out of that camp, the first one was actually put forward by National Party member Michael Laws, who in my view, just purely in opinion, is like in terms of right, just way out there somewhere. That's why I said at the back it curves back around again and you don't know if right is right or left is left. Then uh, the second one, somebody help me out. Somebody might remember the first one was pushed in 1995 by Michael Law's National Party because they got uh, sort of elements within there too that kind of make you concern you. You know, there's a saying around Parliament, and I'll probably close with that. There's a saying around Parliament. They say that in terms of evil, and unrighteousness and moral depravity, over here it's overt, overtly. This is who we are. Over here it's covertly. It's still in there too. <laughs> These guys are not altogether righteous. They're not altogether brilliant um, and everything. But you know, here's my thinking. At least when they, you know, commit adultery, and do stuff, at least they do it on the quiet because they know it's wrong. According to the ancient paths, they say, we do it, but we know it's wrong. These guys over here 
So if we don't care about the ancient paths anymore, we want to we have a new society. And this is us and this is who we are. And not only do they do that, they're now promoting unrighteousness. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, how could a well-meaning Christian who is well-informed vote for the environment when they know that it's a vote for, uh, to kill unborn babies and a vote for this when you know that, that, uh, that you know, all, all of that stuff that goes on is that there's too many uninformed votes. And many uninformed votes are unrighteous votes. Praise God. I encourage you to pick up the flyer on the way out, inform yourself, and pray about it, and um, pick up in terms of the family values. Some of the parties there, some of them are well worth supporting. And some of the candidates are well worth supporting. Others are not, entirely not. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for, Lord, for giving us insight and revelation in regards to the political spectrum, the political process, Lord, the whole uh, aspect of righteousness and unrighteousness and where it's found and what we can support and promote and what we cannot support. That, Father, that you'd open the eyes of our understanding. And we pray, God, that, uh, Lord, that everything that is hidden will come out in the open. Everything that is covered over, all the lies, all the deceptions, all the skullduggery that goes on, that everything comes out into the open, that we're able to make an informed decision come election day. And we want to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.